Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Let's talk about the three star witnesses, Robbie Mook, Mark Elias, and the FBI's James Baker. So what did we do? What did we learn? So James Baker, the FBI general counsel, whom Michael Sussman has been charged to, to lying to about whether or not he was representing anyone when he was shoveling the dirt, testified under oath that he is, well, quote, 100% confident that Michael Sussman did not say he was there for a client, thus gutting his defense. Critical testimony from the uh, witness himself. So Cash Patel, uh, somebody who knows about this whole with Durham's investigating and, and the leads that he should be following. And it looks like Durham is doing everything seemingly right, even though he's in it with a very uh, jury that seems very compromised and a judge that seems to have a horse in this race. For some reason, John Durham said, I'm going to go ahead with this and we're going to have this trial with Michael Sussman, who seems as guilty as the day is long. That is just part of what Kellyanne uh, Conway has experienced when she had her four years and, of course, the years leading uh, the Trump team to the 2016 win and through 2020 as an advisor. Her book is now out. It's called Here's the Deal. The special was last night. Out tomorrow, right? It's out tomorrow. Tomorrow. We order it today. Please yes. do. Kill me, listeners. Uh, that, and we have a lot. <laughs> uh, Kellyanne, great special last night. Our special was fantastic. It's amazing. Very You humbling. did host your own special. It which is weird. That's never been done before, I don't think, in the history. But uh, but you always do things that make history. Here's the deal is his name. First off, on what Cash Patel said. Yes. When you were, I asked a lot of people who were in and out, like were part of the campaign and were on the outside and then inside. So I'd watch these revelations come in. It's like Donald Trump did this. Donald Trump did that. Yes. And I go, is this is, what's going on here? Like, did you notice were, were there calls going in? Were there some? I don't know what you're talking about. Nobody was saying that's absolutely not true. But they'd say, I never saw any of this. Yes. When some of this stuff was coming in. Uh, starting really, what, October, September, October? Right. Did you ever say to yourself, guys, who is this? Nope. I'll tell you why. We were so busy. We were understaffed, under-resourced, underestimated, underdog campaign. And the strategy was very clear. I was transparent about it every day. There's Donald Trump going to seven or eight states. Governor Pence doing the same. Speaking in front of the cameras directly to the people. And then I was on seven or eight TV shows a day on average, Brian, going through the strategy. We're going to go to Michigan, Wisconsin. We think our message will play in Pennsylvania. We're going to be a little bit less in New Mexico and Nevada. Here's why. And if I were talking to Moscow, you wouldn't have seen me. I was talking to people in Macomb County, Michigan, and Mecklenburg County, North Carolina, not a bunch of Russians. The reason that this took hold is because the Hillary campaign that did have all the king's horses, all the king's men, all their money and momentum and all the media behind them, they didn't have a good candidate. They had a flawed candidate, and they, in case of emergency, you break the glass, you pull the ripcord, and you come up with another strategy. Their strategy was to pretend that we were being aided and abetted by Russia to win the election. And they didn't leave it on election night. They actually accelerated these rumors and these claims and pretending there was evidence after the election. The 35-page Steele dossier was being 
discussed in the Oval Office on January 5th, 2017, two short weeks before President Trump is going to be sworn in. We're being told, I'm at lunch with Valerie Jarrett downstairs in the Navy mess, we're being told we want a smooth transition, democracy needs it, we're a sturdy country, et cetera. And the fix was in. They came to Trump Tower the very next day, Clapper, Comey, Brennan, the national security team, to brief the president on very scary situations around the world. And as they were leaving, I write in my book, Here's the Deal, on sale today, Brian, that Comey takes Trump aside, basically just standing up. And it was as an aside and says, well, we're looking into this. We don't know too much. Seth Meyers asks me about it on TV a couple of days later. And and then Donald Trump has that press conference. On that in comedy the atrium, show. On that, right. And that, well, where people used to be funny. Um, I like comedians who are funny. But anyway, Donald Trump, the day after that, he has – a big press conference in the atrium of Trump Tower. You'll remember this on January 11th. And he's being asked questions about this. And he's curiously looking around. The, the Hunter Biden laptop contents are more verifiable than the Steele dossier. And which one was pushed and pushed yeah. and pushed for years with no verification and no veracity? You see that now because people are in courtrooms under oath on the record. So they're being honest now. As opposed to the Steele dossier, which could never be verified. Brian, do you think in the summer of 2016, if the media could have run with the Steele dossier and talked about Russia collusion with any kind of authority they wouldn't have? They wanted to stop Donald Trump, but they couldn't do it. So BuzzFeed did it after Trump was elected. Then CNN went ahead and ran a story referring to the BuzzFeed piece. And they won awards over this. And the New York Times people won Pulitzers over this. Give them back and let's pay attention to the Sussman trial because now actual heads are going to roll, I believe. Okay, a couple of things. I watched it in other channels, too, because I was astounded because, you know, I've been here a while and you've been on their channel a while. I've never seen such a division between two worlds where there'd be real issues going on, the economy growing, the deficit growing, whatever it was, good or bad, good or bad. Uh, you know, what the president's policy was with NATO, you know, there's stuff to talk about. So I'd be preparing for a show and we'd be talking about, okay, the president wants to pull out of NATO, maybe his chief of staff disagrees with that. That's kind of interesting, yes, right? Yes, of course. But you turn on the other channel, you come on, we talk Russia, about Russia, that. Russia, Russia, Russia. It was nonstop. And about this, and so you'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And after a while, I almost understand why some of the guys and some of the women were like, why do I want to do this interview? They're just going to keep bringing everything about Russia, and behind the scenes you're getting things uh, going. They would also do it in the the Oval Office. And the the press room was a joke. The president would, that's right, the president would invite the press into the Oval Office, something Joe Biden does not do. They now have said because he needs a teleprompter, Brian, they have to recreate a phony Oval Office. It's unbelievable, isn't it? I just hope people know that this is, these are the facts. And President Trump would sua sponte, spontaneously invite the press into the Oval Office to talk about whatever guest was there, whatever policy prescription was going to go for, whatever was happening legislatively on Capitol Hill. And they would ask him, every question would be about Russia. And you know what? We should have known then what's happening now, which is this, Brian, that this White House wants you to believe what they say, not what you see. And the same thing was happening with Russia collusion. Instead of focusing on what you see and what you want to be true – uh, of this policy or, or that they're telling you, believe what we say. And I think it's all coming back to hurt them. Hillary Clinton is damaged goods. This ridiculous notion she could ever run for president again, be a three-time loser. Right. Have at it, lady. I'm ready for you. I'm here. And that, but it also tells you how weak their bench is. But don't forget that the media didn't just want Donald Trump to win in 2016. They were shocked that he did. And I think the shock and embarrassment of Donald Trump Winning in 2016, which is uh, talked an awful lot about in new ways, never, be told, never before told stories in my book, Here's the Deal, Brian, 
that bothered them more to be embarrassed and shocked by Donald Trump's election than even him being president. Go down further. Silicon Valley. Because you use Facebook and use Twitter in order to win and get your yeah, message out Google and circumvent. Ads. And they, they would determine, you know who told me that? Neil Ferguson in 2017. Uh, I can't remember if it was on camera or waiting in the break. And he said, you cannot overstate how embarrassed and angry Silicon yes. Valley is that they ignored Facebook and Twitter. You guys didn't. You used it, circumvented and use social media, and they feel responsible for Trump winning, and they're going to get back at him, and they did. So two people to know there, Jeff Zucker at CNN and Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook. Let me focus on both of them. They were both, as you correctly point out, reviled and insulted and just put upon by their colleagues. I went to up to Harvard Institute of Politics on December 1st. They have the tradition of inviting both campaigns as yeah. senior people and devolved into Jennifer Palmieri, who apparently also knew – uh, about this uh, Sussman stuff, according to Robbie Mook and others. But anyway, um, Zucker the night before at the dinner was being excoriated yeah. by his colleagues saying, Trump is your fault. You kept the empty podium waiting for Donald Trump in the right-hand corner. You covered every single word Then we he caught said. him on audio giving him coaching Correct. before yes. the debates. And so people were mad at him. And what did he do? All of a sudden, CNN had to become the anti-Trump network. Not even their, – their job is to get the story, but their mission was to get the president. Absolutely. And it's all evidence here. Mark Zuckerberg. In the 2016 campaign, Brian, people say, what did Zuckerberg do? The answer is nothing, meaning he let us run ads on Facebook. We paid our money. We ran our ads, same thing on Google, YouTube. We use Twitter. President Trump, Mr. Trump used Twitter well. And so the net net effect of that is we were under-resourced. So we could not do all TV ads. Hillary had unlimited resources. But we knew this is where people were getting information now. It's very natural for you to receive your information digitally. So we invested in that 50% digital ads, 50% television ads. And it paid off for us. But Zuckerberg came under fire. How dare you? Why didn't you just not take their money? Why did you help elect Donald Trump? So what happened in 2020? Dave Bossie's new movie, Rigged, is brilliant because it goes through all of the states and the precincts where Zuckerberg and his wife, Priscilla Chan, through two nonprofits, CLTC is the acronym for one, called you know Civic Life and Technology Council or something or other. They're trying high-mindedly to make sure that we can all vote safely because of COVID. That sounds like a nice goal, but riddle me this. Why did 92% of the money that was spent go to Joe Biden? Uh, one precincts. You don't want the rest of us to be safe. So yeah. I think that's President Trump and I were discussing that book and he, the documentary, and he said, "What do you think?" And I said, "I read that, and I'm surprised you won Mississippi." In other words, the fix was in in so many places ahead of time. It's fine to spend money to help people vote, but why are you picking and choosing the states? Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania—these places that ended up being razor thin margins—and mm-hmm. we know with COVID, COVID became COVID was a reason. For us to vote differently. But now it's become an excuse for us to continue to vote that way. And that has to stop. A couple of things. The NRA got attacked and destroyed. And they they were a big help, weren't they? First time around, the NRA. That well, yes, they were. They were a big number, help. Number Only two. because they're reaching out to their members and saying w- one person, Hillary Clinton, has an F on the Second Amendment. And Donald right. Trump has an A. And then just to, and to motivate. The NRA yes. was motivated to help you guys. Same thing with the pro-life groups. Same with the pro-life groups. So the other thing was. Brad Parscale had an absolute meltdown. He was clearly the wrong person to lead that organization. And he had an absolute meltdown. We ended up shirtless being arrested after allegedly striking his wife. And that is the representation of the guy in the final backstretch who's supposed to lead Trump to reelection. 
yeah, I mean, that's a little bit of a problem. He alienated a lot of people, kept a very tight unit. There wasn't really a sense of team at all with the 2016. Well, 2016 and 2020 2020. were so different. I write about the tale of two campaigns, and I think 2016 was such a representation of Donald Trump. The swagger, the hunger, the connect directly with the people. Right, but he couldn't even do these rallies because of the pandemic for the longest time. Then he got it. At the end, then he said, screw it. I'm going to go do it anyway. Yeah, he did. And, he you did. know, he so he wouldn't move through and he had the rally at the end. But uh, having said that, you kind of you you really have a, a, a problem with Kushner. Correct. So you really feel as though that he had his hands in everything but was not in front of everything. Well, that's a it, fact. It, it's not my feeling. Uh, I think that that was uh, purposeful. And look, Jared Kushner is a very smart person. He's highly intelligent. And he came to the White House, I think, to do good for the country. But you can't overstuff your portfolio with all these different issues in your first job in Washington, D.C. ever. I think it's very charming and was conclusive that the president of the United States, Donald Trump, had never had Washington experience to speak of. That is what mattered to the public, elevating him and electing him over Hillary Clinton. But it's not so charming when your senior staff does. Mm -hmm. And why don't you just go learn something? So I think the arrogance and the I know betterness and the overstuffed portfolio, sometimes there are are Senate-confirmed cabinet members who are in charge of an issue that had that being taken away by the president's son-in-law. So it ended up being very chaotic and confusing. There are people on Capitol Hill who have to take his call, who can't say no, even if they thought, well, this is not the way we're going to write the bill or this is not what the president ran on. So, look, my main problem— Was the president informed of how much Jared Kushner was doing? uh, Sometimes. But, you know, my main problem with Jared is very simple, and it it, uh, boiled over. I write about it in my book. It boiled over in this this meeting in Jared's office in the summer of 2019— and I walked in. It was he called the meeting. It was Jared, Brad Parscale, Ronna McDaniel, the head of the RNC, still is, and Mick Mulvaney, then chief of staff. And it boiled over where Jared said, "Oh, I had no idea how much you hated me, Kelly." And I said, "Jared, I don't hate you. Don't flatter yourself. I don't understand you. We're three plus years into this. The president wants us to work together, and all you do is try to get get in my way. You roll your eyes. You roll me. The president says work together on this. The two of you." And you give him a very flippant shore, and then you tell people I'm a leaker. Of course, he had people on the government payroll who were leaking left and right. Um, and by the way, Le- there's a whole chapter in here called How to Spot a Leaker. Folks, you want to pick up this book, How to Spot a Leaker. I was accused of being a leaker, and I exposed those who were leaking. That Brian, they're always the people who don't go on TV and say, oh, you're so amazing, Kellyanne. How do you handle the press like that? And they're in the back talking to the press all day long. I'm on TV for the whole world to see. And they right. did, literally. You think I'm going to go inside and, and be on the phone the whole time? Bannon with his three Blackberries and three shirts and three pens and Jared with a whole— How did Bannon like, get back in the inner circle? Uh, well, he's well, he's got a podcast and or something, and, and I've been on it. I plan on going it this week. Um, but he's also somebody who's you know very much pushing uh, between November 6th and what I call January 6th, those two months of election fraud. Um, but anyway, that aside, my problem with Kushner is that the president of the United States who got elected and the rest of us did not – wants us to work together, wants me to work on the opioid crisis, on veterans, on the, the trade, on trade meetings, yeah. be, in the, be in the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, be in the Coronavirus Task Force meetings where I was. Stop getting in my way. And I know a couple things. And look, I had a United States senator tell me early on, listen, I'm all about family. I don't know what's going on with Kushner, but he was very flippant about you in a meeting. Why does he have to say my name? 
it's bad enough I'm not there, but why do you have to say my name? Telling telling network executives don't have her on anymore. Telling a network executive who interviewed for a communications director, my name wasn't even part of the conversation. And out of nowhere, he said, by the way, Kellyanne won't be very powerful or important here. She's not going to be on Marine One, Air Force One, two days later on Marine One and Air Force One, going with the president to – like why even do it? And I think the palace intrigue started with things like that. It was petty and it was immature and and it hurt. The name of the book is Here's the Deal. Well, a few more minutes with Kellyanne right after this. It is out tomorrow, but pre-order it today. Don't move. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everyone. A few more minutes with Kellyanne Conway. Her book is now uh, is going to be out tomorrow. Here's the deal. Uh, and by the way, her special last night is now on uh, Fox Nation, uh, which is based on the book in your life, as well as your time with Trump. So after the election, uh, Trump loses. January 6th happens. They impeach him again. Doesn't go all the way through. You have had a chance to talk to the president. Do you get the sense, Kellyanne, that he's going to run again? He certainly would like to. And part of that motivation is twofold. Number one, he feels there's tremendous unfinished business that he was planning to do in the second term. And number two, he sees the disaster that is the Biden-Harris administration. Man-made disaster. Worse than anybody could have anticipated. Because look, Brian, if there's any rationale for putting into the presidency a guy who has been in Washington for 50 years, Joe Biden, it would be that he has relationships across the aisle. He can help unify. He can get a lot of Republican votes. The most bipartisan thing those people have done is impeach Donald Trump. Right. It's when they went when they look for the most Republican votes. Well, and number the infrastructure two, deal, but. Well, <laughs> and we're paying for it. And number two. Um, to have good relations around the world. We don't. We're, we're less secure now. Putin invaded Ukraine. We're a laughing stock around the world. I mean, Biden and Harris just need to stay here. Stop going abroad and embarrassing us there. You can yell at Americans from here. But I speak to the president frequently. I think I'm a, one of a handful of people in this country who speaks regularly to Mike Pence and Donald Trump. And you saw Mike Pompeo, Chris Christie, others in that special last night about me. So I try to maintain good relationships with the leaders of our party. However, April 7th, 2021, I have dinner, just me and Donald Trump and Melania Trump on the patio at Mar-a-Lago. Of course, it didn't leak because I don't like to leak things like that. And it's a two and a half pages, chapter 39 in my book. And President Trump says, um, honey, I, you weren't much of a Jared person, huh? And I said, oh, Mr. President, I don't want to talk about that now. But why would you give him so much power? He says, I didn't. He has a good relationship with my daughter. And I said, he gets to pick and choose his legacy. You don't. I think President Trump wants to go back, get energy independence, get inflation in check, get immigration and border security in check. So he's got a whole to-do list. And if he feels he's the right person for that moment, he absolutely will run. If not, whoever runs will have to have the America First agenda and those 74 million Trump voters in their corner. Download Here's the Deal. Uh, That's what I do, or buy it in person. Kellyanne, thank you. Thank you, Brian. Listen to the all-new Brett Baer podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Baer favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.